Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast. We are so excited to have you all back. Um, This week, we have Pastor Danny Sanchez, founder of the City Peace Project out in California and also author of Post Traumatic Quest. So thank you so much, Pastor Danny, for being on with us this week. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, welcome. Um, Well, first off, I don't know if Ashley told you before we went on air. So our listeners are primarily first responders. So and mainly like sheriff's deputies in our county, the sheriff's department has a paramedic division and kind of the quick history of that is like back in the day, all the ambulance companies were private and they all only offered basic life support. And then they would send the paramedic sheriff's deputy to ride along with and do any like a more advanced life support stuff. So they're still around and so most of the listeners are just people that I work with and, and it kind of branches out from there. So with that said, you know, I, I got your book and read, I've read most of it. Like the first day is, it was one of those things where it just grabbed me. I just kept going, but you talk about in there, the importance of, of knowing in, in situations like in our case for in our County, like OP, the opioid epidemic is huge and, and mental health, you know, suicidal, a lot of times kids and, and all that sort of stuff. So there was a, a part you said in there about just being aware that there's always more to the story. There's yeah. always like that deeper level. Yeah. So, you know, of course we want to hear your story and how you got from, you know, how you got to the point where you write this book and then also uh, about your ministry. But, you know, like I said, our listeners are all, all responders. So I just felt like why I wanted to reach out and why I was so excited when you reached out about coming on the show is that I feel like it's important for them to hear kind of the, that side of the story because it gets really easy for us to kind of get jaded and like, yeah, uh, you know, it's another overdose or, oh, this is just an attention seeking kid, Yeah, you know, so. Yeah. So like, you know, I work with a lot of schools, you know, we, we're currently from K through 12th grade and I'm training a lot of my staff in high schools. And, you know, during the pandemic, it's been super difficult. You know, drug usage has went up, of course, that's like a coping mechanism for a lot of the kids, you know. Also, you know, we suicide has went up. And one student we worked with, you know, sadly um, took her life. And so we've had to talk with our students about it and talk, you know, with our staff about it, you know. And so I think it's just the layers of trauma that people are going through. You know, the the pandemic, you know, isolated a lot of people and had to, you know, a lot of a lot of them had to deal with some issues that they never had to face before, you know, maybe being alone or being with their parents. And so, you know, just for, you know, the, the the responders, you know, we don't know, like, what's going on. We could see the shell, the outside, right? Like, people would look at me, you know, like um, a former gang member, a former um, drug addict. You know, I was in and out of the ER. You know, um, I was, you know, I, I grew up 
in the juvenile justice system. So, you know, here they saw me over and over and over again. And, you know, um, the one thing that, that stood out to me were those officers or those, um, you know, paramedics or even doctors that like showed like compassion. I remembered it when I was like 14 or 15 years old, you know, mm-hmm. they would, they would say things like, um, you know, like your life is important. Some of them preached the gospel to me, you know, I was handcuffed to a bed because I'd committed a crime, but I was also injured. And an officer started sharing the gospel with me and that I'm loved and that my life mattered. And I'll never, ever forget those moments. Those are powerful moments. You know, I can still see, um, you know, whether it's a paramedic or a chaplain or an officer or, you know, any type of first responder, you know, talking to me about, um, talking to me like as I was a human, you know, like Mm -hmm. if I'm not just, you know, um, another drug addict. Because uh, the thing, I mean, you know, in my book, you know, I dealt with a lot of things, you know, that a lot of people go through, you know, like, all of us deal with pain in some way, shape or form, right? Whether it's physical or emotional. And all of us, you know, have to cope with it in some way. Some people wear it on their sleeve and some people hide it, you know? And a lot of times I was one of the ones that wore it on my sleeve. Like, you know, like I would, you know, I'd act out because of um, the pain I was having at home. You know, the broken home, the, 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 you know, the drugs, my dad not being there, the physical abuse that happened to me. And, you know, it, it manifested in me doing, you know, not wanting to cope with it, you know, by getting high. And, uh, and again, it, it was, I was in and out of the juvenile justice system because that's all I had known. My dad was in and out since he was in, it's called California Youth Authority. He was in juvenile hall. He was in prison, like youth prison, then he moved on to jail, then prison. And I followed in his footsteps. So imagine here, you know, first responders are seeing me quite a bit because I'm either fighting, I'm injured, or I'm getting, you know, arrested. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because we we run into that. We see, like I see the same kids over and over and over. Um, there's one kid that actually, he finally, like, so I've been doing, I've been a paramedic 18 years. And this goes back to like my first three summers in a row as a paramedic, this same kid would get in, in like, he'd get uh, hit in some gang related shooting. So three states, three straight summers in a row, the same kid shot. Yeah. And finally I was like, dude, like, <clears throat> You got to You got to do something different, you know, and, and he ended up just um, I don't know if he ever got saved. You know, I don't know if he ever came to faith, but he certainly left Flint. Yeah. You know, he certainly found somewhere else to be, you know. So, yeah, that's that to me is a is a big deal. And I think, like you said, on our side, you know, with the, with the pandemic, it's been it's been tough to you know, do all the extra things that we've had to do, extra protocols, extra stuff, and still, you know, still have compassion for the weekly same kid or same, yeah, same guy overdosing and stuff like that. So, yeah, and yeah, I think, that's it. No, yeah, because yeah, I'm thinking like, also like, you know, I like, just like the young man you're saying, I deal with that a lot. There's a, there's a young man that was shot in the head. He's in eighth grade. So about 13 years old, he survived, lost his eye. He he um, gets out of the hospital, and a month later, he's shot again in the leg. 
you know, and he's still on the same path. I love this kid. I love him, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, it breaks my heart, you know, to, you know, to see the things that he's, you know, putting himself, you know, he's putting himself out there. And, but like, I, you know, I know that I need to be consistent. And because I remember myself, like, you know, like there's, you know, like, I don't know what's, I mean, I'm not speaking for him, but I'm speaking for myself. Like for me, like, like, um, I was, you know, molested. I was abused. I was, you know, all these things happened to me and I had this wall. Like I had to be this tough guy because I felt like I had to protect myself all the time. Like I felt like I was on high alert every single moment, you know? And I, and I try to be this, this, this crazy gang member, you know what I mean? But really in my head, I was a skater, goofy kid. But I, but to to fit in, I try to fit in with everybody because I try to find identity, you know. And one thing, if you read the book, like, you know, I fight, I fought a lot because it, it, you know, people respected me and I got noticed and I got the attention, even though it was bad attention, and that got me in a lot of trouble. Of course, suspended, you know, kicked out of schools and put in, you know, in 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 juvenile, you know, in the juvenile justice system, and so. You know, I think I think again, it's like it. One probation officer did not even recognize like you're you're really just a drug addict, man. You need some help. Until I was like 29 years old, nobody ever just said, "Hey," like throughout all you know, from 14 years old all the way till 29, going in and out of being incarcerated. Like, I'm gonna send you to a program. Nobody ever thought of that. I never went to a, a rehab or had any drug rehab or right. any sort of support like that, which is crazy, right? You think about mm-hmm. that. It, all it was for me was being incarcerated and then getting out, being incarcerated and getting out. And do you mind if I share a little bit about my my my, my, my first Absolutely. time being Please. incarcerated? So um, I was 14 years old, right? Um, I remember walking out of my friend's house and we were taking the um, recyclables, you know, out to the to the curb, right? And we were surrounded by the police, guns drawn. And I weighed about 90 pounds. So I'm this little skinny 14-year-old. And they said, get on the floor, get on the floor now. And I got on the floor, um, put my hands up. And out of the corner of my eye, I see the silhouette, this this person pointing at me. And I heard on the radio, that's him. So they arrest me. Well, let me give you more, more of the story. Earlier that night, I was, I was, I'm, I'm 14. I was with an 18 year old kid and another 14 year old. And the 18 year old um, did a strong on robbery. He purse snatched. We, we did it in our own car. They got our license plates. They went to my friend's house and they caught me. Well, so anyways, they, you know, I'm, a, I'm not thinking. I'm a little yeah. kid. I'm just like yeah. out there. And, and so I had never been arrested before. I had interactions with, you know, um, the police before, but I remember like, like going to juvenile hall, changing out of my, um, you know, like my, my, my clothes and putting on the, um, you know, like what I had to wear for juvenile hall, getting my bedding. They booked me, fingerprinted me, all the stuff, right? They walked me down this long hallway. There's all these windows. I see all these little faces looking at me down there. Where I'm just keeping my, you know, keeping focused, but I can see them in my peripheral. I get to the end, the, the, the guard there, looks in this little thing, gives me a room, walks with me. I hear, I remember everything very clearly. Keys jangling, opens the door with a, with a, you know, with a key, click, go in the room. I go in there, slams the door on me, locks it. 
I immediately go crazy because I'm claustrophobic, right? I w- I used to get choked when I was younger and locked in a closet, you know, and my brother thought it was funny to do that, you know, and, and other things happened to me where I was choked or, or, you know, where I couldn't breathe. And I remember banging on the door, let me out. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Let me out, please. And, and it triggered so much of my past, you know, um, I was like, you know, like I, I was hyperventilating, but there was no way out, you know, I'm in there for a felony and I'm 14 years old. <laughs> and I remember the next day, like I had to defend myself because I'm the guy that was screaming in his room the night before, you know what I mean? And so people were like, and it was brutal. I fought every single day, pretty much in juvenile hall for, and my first time in there, I didn't, I didn't go to court immediately. I was, I had, I was there for 30 days, right. In juvenile hall. And, and, and it was crazy because I, um, I had to defend myself, right? Your way to think when you're incarcerated is like, you know, like don't trust anybody, watch your back. You got to fight. You know, there's all these things that you learn, right? Manipulate people. It was just crazy. And I remember like, I was so bad that um, by the end of my time there, I think I was on 23 hour lockdown. And so imagine a 14 year old, this claustrophobic locked in his room. So I had to cope with that. And I would just sit there inside. I can hear all the the other kids out there talking and stuff, but I would just sit there. And um, I remember when I got out, um, my whole world was rocked. Like something happened to me. Like it was, I I knew I'd never be the same again. Like there was so much, so much fighting, emotional abuse, you know, um, witnessing violence. and I remember, like, though everyone else was like, you know, when I got out, like, oh, just doing their thing, like their world was just moving on. But my world was completely rocked and I was a different person. I was I was a, I became a menace. You know, I had no, I did not care. I'm like, I'm a felony. Um, I'm never going to be able to get a job. I'm 14 thinking this. Right. Right. And like, I did not care. You know, and, and, and that like that like led me into this path of just drinking more, just trying every single drug that was available to me, just to cope with a lot of stuff that, that was triggered and came out during that time. And um, you know, I wasn't uh very, you know, good in school. And so like, you know, what else am I gonna do with my life? I'm not gonna I already I already had given up. So right. that was like my juvenile hall experience, which was terrible and it and I went back every single year until I was about 27 years old in and out in and out from juvenile hall to county jail to to California state prison yeah and county that's a that's a we see a lot of guys and what will happen is and actually is interesting I just found this out talking to our county sheriff last Monday that because they need they need space. It's weird to say it like that, but they're always full and they need space. So if your time is up and it's one o'clock in the morning and it's, you know, Michigan, February, so it's like 14 degrees outside mm-hmm. and all you have on is the, you know, the, the T-shirt and the jeans you had on when they booked you, they're putting you out on the front step, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of times with like the repeat offenders or people with nowhere else to go, then they'll call 911 
and they'll say they're having chest pain or trouble breathing or whatever. Yeah. And then we'll come and we'll swoop them up and take them to the ER and they'll just kind of repeat the cycle, you know, yeah. especially if they were homeless to begin with. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's something I think that like on our side, on the first responder side, we really like guys, we have to understand that it's, there's more to the story. And, and like you said earlier, a lot of these guys just need someone to tell them that you matter. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you, there's more for you than this next, you know, hit of heroin or whatever it is you're looking yeah. for, you know? You, yeah. You know, I just thinking about, you know, you said the word cycle and like I broke the cycle, you know, I think recidivism rate is what 80%. And, you know, I don't know if it's national, but in California that they're going to go be back incarcerated. And I was mm-hmm. an, another statistic, but through my faith in Jesus Christ, I like broke the cycle, you know, the cycle was broken. And, you know, like that's one thing that, that, you know, what I will share with incarcerated youth or even adults that, you know what, the cycle can be broken. And, you know, like imagine me, uh, an adult in my in my in my upper 20s, I have nothing. And mm-hmm. God changed everything for me. You know, the Lord changed everything in my life. It's just crazy because, you know, other than, there was no there was no light at the end of the tunnel for me. You know, either I'm going to be in prison for the rest of my life or I'm going to die. That was my only, you know, like that was my only hope. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, I, I didn't care. You know, um, if you read in my book, like because of the things that had happened when I was younger, um, you know, I wasn't afraid to die. I flirted with death. I, you know, I cut my wrist, you know, tried to commit suicide multiple times. I, I was I've been stabbed 11 times. Um, and these are different times. Uh, I've been in car accidents where the car flipped over multiple times where I should have died. And, you know, for me, it was just like another joke. It was it was it was like nothing, you know, and maybe some of the some of the 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 people that the first responders are dealing with are in that same place that I was, you know. And um, again, I just you know, for me, like if if somebody had just, you know, said like a kind word. Nobody really said anything kind. It was except for those few people that were like sharing the right. gospel with me. But other than that, it's like, you know, like it just seemed like nobody cared at all, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And too so that's out. what too zoned what out, to, like too zoned out with the job, like just kind of doing the next yeah. thing, you know, yeah. can yeah. describe. So that's like, that's 13 years from like 14 to 27. That's 13 years. Like what did you, how did you survive? Like, where did you live? Like, what did your relationships look like? Like, what what did your life look like during those years? Like, did you did, were you trying to get back in jail at times, or would you were you trying to hide from the police? Like, what what did what did that look like? Like, yeah. So here in California, we have like it's called a boys' ranch, right? And like, so it's just like a ranch facilities, right? not like a real ranch, but like, you know, they, they have a dorm setting where it's like okay. structured, but you can, you can run from there, but it's far. And I ran from the boys ranch multiple times, you know, and like, I was just out of control. Like, you know, anything like a few things, like, like when I was younger, um, I, I think I was just too much for my mom. Like at times, you know, like I was just be gone all the time. Um, I really just wanted love, you know, like I was looking, 
you know, like for a girlfriend and then I found a girlfriend and then I wanted another girl. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. right. anything to be, have attention and love and support. And I remember like, um, you know, like the, when I was younger, I would stay at people's houses all the time or I was incarcerated and I'd stay home. I was, I, I don't remember my mom. I, she worked 12 hours a day, a lot of the time, you know, so I didn't see her that much. And when I did, I, I would think I was annoying really annoying to her you know what I mean and she had like you know like a boyfriend or whatever because her her and my dad had divorced when I was four so there was always drama I was always causing some sort of drama in my house even as a child I was annoying you know just like you know and so yeah I would I wouldn't hardly ever be home I was always at someone's house I was always cutting school so you like this 14 year old with no boundaries at all there's no one there's no dad my dad's in prison or he's out and when he's out he's doing his own thing there's no male in my life my mom's you know she i know she loves me but she just had so much i had a little brother an older brother and i would just be out all the time like i i i was trying drugs you know like from eight years old you know experimenting with marijuana um and all those things but as an adult, nobody really, I burned all my bridges. Nobody really wanted around. I would have to literally just couch surf or try to find where my mom was at just so I could spend the night. But nobody really wanted me there. So, or be incarcerated. So that was my, that was my life. And all I would do is drink every day. I had no money. You know, I'm not working. If I had a job, I'd lose it really quick. I don't know how I had so much alcohol and drugs. I just, they would just, here's a beer. Here's some here's some um, whiskey. Oh, you want to smoke this? You want to snort this? It was just crazy. And I would be up on like meth for days, anything to not have to cope with my life. And, you know, what I was, you know, what I was going through. It was it was it was really, really terrible. And again, I think. I think, you know, for the listeners, you know, because um, I know that everywhere people deal with this right there's a drug addiction there's you know there's 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 kids that are going through hard times and they're rebellious or they're acting out certain ways or they're involved in gangs or whatever like for you listeners that maybe have a family member or neighbor or friend like you know what like there's hope for change for them and i bet you me personally i probably did not look like a person that was that i mean like People thought I was going to die before I was 20. Well, it's, it's death to life, right? Like, that's what yeah. Christ does is death to life. So yeah. the old is gone and the new has come and you're literally born again. So was it like, was there like a, a salvation a salvation moment? Like, or had you hit like a low, low, low? Like that was the end of your rope? Or like, what did that, what did that lead to? How did that yeah. look? Yeah. So again, I was like, finally that pro that parole officer had, um, you know, put me in a rehab and I went there like I can, I can go into a system and I can adapt to that system really easy. The structure of a system, like, cause I, like, again, I've been incarcerated since I was 14 years old in and out. So if you put me in a structured system, I knew how to play the game. And so when I was there, I was doing very well. Um, I ended up leaving early um, from the rehab and getting high again after like three months, I was supposed to be there for like six months. And so when I get when when I get out, like um, my parole officer said, you know, like you need to find another place to go. And my uncle um, is a pastor; he's ordained, and 
he was praying for me. He was, it was like this, like, so for those of you out there that are praying for your family members or your loved ones or friends that are, he would pray for me and I would have my, like, like a phone, not a cell phone, of course, back then, but like, he would go, let me pray for you. And I'd be like, dude, I do not want to hear you right now, but you're, <laughs> I'm trying to be respectful to you. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And he was like a person that prayed those long prayers, you know, <laughs> and I'd be sipping on my 40 or he'd come over to my house just to check on us. And I'd hide my beer at 40 is a 40 ounce of beer, of course. Right. Like I would be drinking all the time. And, um, but like it, you know, it, it, it like, it was seeping in because I remember when I had to find a place to go, I was like, Hey, does a church have like a dorm for me? And that's when I, you know, I had heard about Simon Woodstock, the uh, ex-professional skateboarder, MTV VJ, who got radically saved. This guy was like crazy. Like he was, yeah. like, <laughs> he was on TV, you know, he would do crazy stuff. He, and I heard all these stories, but I'm like, wait, this dude saved. He's like a <laughs> Christian. I got to see this. He had this uh, green fur pulpit, you know, and he was, he was a really good uh, I mean, he's still, he's preaching right now, but uh, he, uh, you know, he shared a message and it really spoke to me, but still I wasn't like a hundred percent ready. Yeah. And I remember my pro officer was like, you know, you need to get it together. And, you know, I, um, I was, I was on high risk parole, meaning that I couldn't drink or do drugs or, you know, because, you know, I would run a lot. That's why. You know, mm-hmm. like I ran from the boys ranch. That was on my record. Like if if like if I was supposed to go to a meeting like with them, I would end up not showing up. So like that meant that like this guy, like, you know, we need to put the reins tight on him, you know, because he won't show up if he starts partying. So I know my pro officers coming the next day. Right. And I, 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 I get high anyways on meth and, alcohol, and I'm drinking alcohol and I'm not supposed to drink. Of course, not supposed to do meth. Right. And um, there's this uh, thing that, you know, amongst um, people (laughs) with my background, that if you drink baking soda, it cleans out your system, right? I don't know if it's true or not, right? So me, like, being like, okay, like, I I don't want to go back to being locked up because it was like this. I would, the first time I got out of prison, I was out for 30 days and went back. Then I got out and I was out on a Friday and I was back on Monday. So I did not want to go back, right? So I said, I'm going to clean my system out with um, baking soda. And I remember I was just guzzling it. Nobody told me like, hey, it's like two tablespoons or nothing like that, right? Nobody gave me instructions. (laughs) There's no instructions, right? So um, um, I just like started guzzling it and then I got sick. And I was like, like, I started to get dizzy. I started to vomit and vomit and vomit. And... um, it, the, the vomit started to look like blood, like really dark, like, and I'm like, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm gonna like pass out. And I'm like, am I dying? I mean, I drank that much. I'm like, am, am I dying right now? And all those years I had flirted with death. I had no fear of death. But when I felt like I was gonna die at that moment, I'm like, no, I, I wanna I wanna live. And I remember I was, um, on the floor of my mom's bathroom, nobody was home. And I cried, I said, God, like I heard about God and and I had heard about God my entire life, right? Like my grandma talked about God, but I never, you know, like went to church or got discipled or anything like that. It was just like, we knew about God, right? And I remember I fell on my knees like, I wanna live, like, God, if, if you're real, like, can you, like, can you like, like, 
save me, you know, that's the word I knew, you know, like, like, can you save me? Like, I, I, I don't want to die, I want to live. And I remember at that moment, it was the most powerful experience I've had with God. I was, I felt so alive at that moment. I was like, I'm, I, I, I'm truly alive, God. I, I cannot believe that you're real. And I, and the, I was high on meth, and you know, and, and you know, I was hung. Like I could feel the effects of alcohol. It all went away, and I was like. I felt like God's presence. And I was like, not that you have to feel it, but I felt like I was like, I felt what salvation should feel like. And I had never felt so alive in my entire life. I was totally moved by the power of God. And I was like, what is happening to me right now? And I remember at that moment, everything shifted and God shifted my life. And um, I get like, you know, like I still like that moment is, it's so yeah. real to me. It's like, I feel it like right now, like I can, I'm getting emotional because I can, I like, he's real, you know, mm. and you can know him. And I was like, Lord, like, like, thank you. I was like, Oh, what do I do now? Like, uh, like, what do I do now? Like, you know, like I'm a Christian now, like, right. I'm a, like, am I like one of, one of you. Right. Yeah. And it was just crazy. Cause my life just changed right at that moment. Dude, that's like, so cool. Yeah. From like, Literally, like you said, like, you know, John 5, 24 says, Jesus says, you know, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I was the opposite, right? From life to death. I was, I felt like I was dying. But when, when, when Jesus came into my life, I was radically changed. It was like, wham. And I felt that life, you know, that the Bible talks about, like, I, 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 um, like I look back, it's being born again, you know, yes. I was like born again right in that moment. And, you know, it was amazing. Like, and of course, you know, like I, you know, we all struggle, right. In, in our, in our walk, in our life. But I, when I, when I think about that time, it just moves me, you know, to, to, to know that's the moment I was 29 years old, you know, a near death experience. And I felt like God really just shifted my life right there. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and so, and from there, like, how soon does, how soon does the book happen? And like, City Peace Project, how soon does that, like, what's the kind of the, the timeline? The transition, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it's like so I, they like the church I was at, like they had a dorm there, so I live in the dorm, like. Um, I'm like the assistant to the assistant gardener, <laughs> but I'm just blowing leaves for the glory of God, worshiping Amen. Jesus out there. I'm like, look, I'm just like, I'm an usher. Like you ask me to do anything. I'm like, I'll do anything. Like, Lord, you know, like, like, I, you know, like God is so good. Like it yeah. was so, it was so amazing. Like, I'm like, I, 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 I can even see right now, like they have these huge trees. I don't know what kind of trees they were, but they would like the leaves would all like, you know, in the fall go down. I was like, I don't even care. I'm cleaning up every leaf for Jesus. You know what I mean? Even though yeah. nobody knows, I, I, I'm so happy. But what happens is like, um, you know, I, people start investing in me and discipling, teaching me scripture. And, um, and so the book doesn't come un until like, I mean, years later, I think two, I think we started writing it in like, 2012 right yeah. we, we shelved it for a long time 
um, at least to, to 2012 or something like that. So, and I could be wrong, um, but during that time, like I learned a lot, like, like I was reading the Bible, like I couldn't even read really, you know, yeah. um, I, I couldn't communicate with people. Everything was F bomb, you know, every other word. And yeah. I don't know how to talk to mm-hmm. people, but like God's word just like transformed my mind. Like when they say renewing your mind, like, I'm like, Whoa, like I can talk, I can, I can, take in what people are saying now and I can have a normal conversation with people. Right. And it was just so crazy. And so um, about like, maybe like, I'm just trying to look at the timeline, like four or five years after I was saved, um, I was like an usher. I volunteered in uh, children's ministry, ministry, youth ministry. And then I was licensed as a minister after four years. And then in 2011, I was, I was ordained as a pastor. And about that time, um, um, we got connected with the gang task force. And so what the, what the, what the gang task force does is they, um, do like prevention and intervention with at-risk youth, like gang impacted youth. And so what our part was in that was our mayor, our former mayor, Chuck Reed was a, he's a Christian and he wanted to invite, you know, like the faith community into the mix. Right. And so he wanted ideas. And so, I had this dream years ago about, you know, like being a chaplain on the streets, you know, doing stuff like that. And so I already knew like, like when they, when they asked for ideas, I'm like, this is what we could do. Like have a, 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 a crisis response um, program for, you know, for the gang task force, you know, working specifically with gang members. So our chaplaincy, police chaplaincy program here is victim officer, you know, but, there's no chaplains. There was no chaplaincy that went towards the 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 that gang community, the the right. gangsters or that community that's impacted by it. So that's what I started doing. You know, I started working, and sadly, it would be after a homicide. You know, um, after someone was injured, we started a a hospital based intervention where youth that were um, you know injured in youth violence, we would do bedside you know support for them. And so this is where everything really started to come alive. You know, like everything that God was teaching me through the word, everything, the discipleship, you know, everything I was learning about community, you know, that changed from my former life. I was able to start living it out like through this ministry. And and at the time, um, we had a 20 year high in homicides, 25 year high in homicides in San Jose. So we were doing a lot of response and God was really like um, having me in the midst of loss. You know, there was people you know, young people, you don't expect your 13 year old to get shot or, or, you know, your 15 year old to get murdered, you know, um, in a drive by shooting. And, and we were responding, you know, to these things and, um, working, you know, with the, the city of San Jose, they have, they have their group of interventionists and then the chaplains would come alongside after the police do their thing. So we would do our things separately. And, um, you know, it was interesting because um, the community started to know me as someone that, you know, helped them during times of loss and pain. Um, you know, they would say, hey, because they didn't know pastor or priest, right? They're like, hey, you're the priest that did my homie's funeral. You know, they would, yeah. they would say that, like their friend's yeah. funeral, like, oh, you did sleepies, their nickname, right? Yeah. Or it's funeral or such and such, right? So, you know, and I did it. I, I, I mean, I... I still do this work, but it's not the same as it was 
we've had a decrease in homicides here. Like, like it's, it's went down a lot, you know, like um, we, we are one of the safest large cities in America. Um, but what happened was I, I, I was, I did a funeral for an 18 year old. They were still in high school and he was shot down the street from his house. His dad heard the gunshot, but didn't know it was his son. It's really sad. Single dad, only child. You know, he raised them. It was like the saddest, it was heartbreaking. Well, I responded to that and I worked with dad. And I remember um, he asked if I can, you know, um, share at the services, right? Like if I can, if I can share the word and if I can, you know, help him with that. So I did. And it was a tiny chapel. They probably fit around you know, maybe 150 people. There was probably over 250 people in there. The walls were, people were all the way. It was hot in there, I remember. And um, I was just looking out and I could smell alcohol, you know, marijuana. And I see family that was just like devastated. I saw people that were angry. Some were just sitting, you know, just, you know, blank face. Yeah. And um, I remember that um, this, this, um, Oh, when, when, when that time, when the time like came for people to share about like, you know, like his life, you know, it takes about 15 minutes, like maybe 10 or 15 people go up sometimes, you know, to mm-hmm. share, like pay their respects to them. Right. Um, that time lasted two and a half hours. There was a line of people from coaches, principals, friends, they were just sharing about him. And I was standing there for two and a half hours. I remember my feet started to hurt. Like I was like, I'm, I'm like, listening to all these people, how much they cared. And I remember God spoke to me at that moment. He said, he's standing, look, look at, look at the people out there. They're in pain. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And I remember like, that's when I felt called to be proactive to do, like, I don't want to be there after the homicide. I, I need to be proactive. And that's door started to open for me to work with schools, you know, um, and we started to create programs and, you know, now we're in probably about, uh, I think we're nearing 20 schools and we do, um, like mentoring, life coaching, social, emotional learning, you know, um, during the pandemic, we started like, this is the school, you know, I, you know, of course the schools, you know, like we're not, we're not preaching in the schools cause it's separate, right? right. It's, right. uh, we're, we're doing that type of work, but also in that communities during the pandemic, I started um, two Bible studies. We had 60 salvations and six baptisms during the pandemic. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So I know I jumped forward really quick, but I just (laughs) wanted to share that, but you know, but like this, this work has brought me in to um, share love with, with those, you know, in our community and God has opened the door for youth. You know, the Bible says, let your light show so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. And I really feel called to that, you know, like the people to see like what I do that I love. I love what I do. I love working with these kids. So, yeah, I know I jumped over a little bit, but yeah, that's that's the birth of the City Peace Project at that moment, you know, yeah. of the ministry that we're doing now. Um, the book was shelved until the pandemic was shelved for like seven years. So I don't know if I got my math right. Sorry, but it but it we. We started working on the book um, in, over the pandemic, you know, it's 2020. And we re- rewrote it because, you know, I was in a different mindset from yeah. when I first wrote it. I was still at the church. It was really a lot of Christianese, you know, 
and um, um, meaning like things that probably like the kids that I talked to that don't go to church probably wouldn't right. understand. You know, I didn't right. want to. Uh, and so um, we worked on the book and we last May, um, you know, we, 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 we self-published, we put it on Amazon and it's available like on all digital platforms in the library. You know, there's an audio version. Here's a picture of the book, Post-Traumatic Quest, My Quest to Transcend Trauma, Turn My Pain to Purpose and Find Peace. And, you know, it's it was really difficult for me to, um, you know, put this book out because, like, you know, um, I didn't want people to know how messed up I really was, you know. I, people really didn't know a lot about my past. I In the beginning of my ministry, I would wear, like, like you know, like collared shirts and and suits a lot, even when I was out in the community, because I wanted people to see me different. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want people, like, I was afraid that they were going to find out that I'm some uneducated ex-con, you know? And um, I think, you know, I would let people know that I work with my my story, but I felt like, oh, I don't want to expose this to everyone because right. I was ashamed. <clears throat> but I think when God... Um, Help me. I didn't want to. I didn't want to step down the pain anymore. I, I feel. I felt so free to release the book because you know, like this is a, a miracle of God in my life. God did something very powerful, and and this book, I, it was written for kids to find hope beyond their current circumstance. You know, maybe they are addicted to drugs. Maybe they are involved in gangs. Maybe they're just getting into a lot of mischief and they're heading in the wrong direction. And they feel like they're spiraling down. There's no way out. Well, there is a way out, you know, and the book is there to give them, you know, hope. Um, you know, I, I never I never imagined the things that happen in my life now, like they would ever happen, you know, because of the, the pro, you know, um, I've, I've been able to travel the world. I've been able to go, you know, to different countries and share about some of my work. You know, I've, I've, I've just had a lot of, of cool experiences, um, um, because of the work I've done and I share those experiences in the book. It's great too. You know, I like, I'm, I'm probably three quarters of the way through. I'm one of those guys that has the bad habit of like, I'll start, like I'm currently reading, I'll just put it like this. I'm currently reading like seven books. Yeah. No. <laughs> but like, <I'll> you. <laughs> but this no. one came in the mail and I opened it up at our, <laughs> like at our kitchen counter and just stood there. And my youngest, my five-year-old is like, daddy, what are you doing? I'm like, man, I'm like, can't stop reading and she's oh. like he's like uh well i need a snack or whatever it was yeah. but but no. yeah it's uh it's, that's very cool it's very cool how how god will you know like for me and ashley and i have talked about this on this podcast a lot but a lot of times in church we talk about romans eight twenty eight, you know and and a lot of times you know people will see that as is like i like to say this that kind of Disney princess, celestial swirl, everything is wonderful, but they don't talk about the refining, Yeah, you know, and, and like, it's cool with the book and what you're doing, like how much you share of how much of your life has been in that kind of refining fire to be where yeah. you are now. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I even had to learn how to stop performing, you know, even when I started the work, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's hard, you know, that's why, um, where it says pain to purpose to peace. Cause you know what, like, I, when I, when I got saved, I felt like I was always performing, you know, like I had to be perfect, you know, and I was still, God was still dealing with stuff in my heart, you know, 
And when I came to the place where like, you know what, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have to be so busy. I don't have to worry about what people think about me or if I've done enough or, or, you know, and stressed about, you know, the outcome, everything is in God's hands, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, one of, one of the highest forms of worship is resting in God and trusting him, right? Mm-hmm. Just resting in his presence. Yeah. And I, and that's what brings me peace, you know, is knowing that like, you know, like I'm in God's hands and, and I, I want to please God in everything that I do. Because again, from, you know, coming out of this fast lifestyle, then going to church and then, um, you know, it took a little bit of time, but being involved in ministry, I felt like I was always had to be on, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, and, and it can burn you out, you know? Yeah. And I, and you know, and it can, it can affect your marriage. It can affect your, your kids and, and, you know, trying, you know, God's first, not your ministry, you know, and, 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 you know, God, when I sat and just waited on the Lord, you know, like, like I felt like, you know, I could be a better husband. I could be a better father. You know, I'm still learning. I'm not, you know, of course. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I just had to trust God, you know, because I think that's something, especially like for people like us, you know, um, Jim, that, that are like responders, like we're always think we always want to help people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're mm-hmm. the, the, those that are out there, we I think about ways like, like, or I think about people and it's always on our mind, you know, like you can, you can't shut it off, yeah. you know, sometimes like crisis responders, like I'm praying for y'all because I know that like me, I, I, I'm always concerned or like, how can I help this person? Or like next time this happens or, oh, that, that's, that's so terrible. This happened, you know, I need to just say, mm-hmm. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it in your hands, Lord. And um, I know that you got this. You're going to take care of this. You're going to take care of me. Because, again, you said that a lot of Christ responders, they listen to this podcast. And I just, I'm praying for you because Christ responders, you you deal with a lot of heavy, heavy stuff. You, 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 you see things that, you know, we shouldn't be seeing. You hear things, you know, that, that, that have happened and they can affect you. And so my prayer is that, you know, you would be able to process and heal through a lot of your own trauma that you're witnessing on the field, you know, because right. um, I, I would I would be out a lot, you know, and I had to know, like, you know, there's a, there's I have to set boundaries and have limits on what I do and have have my my Sabbath time, you know. Right. Absolutely. You know, my my in my book, you know, like, you know, I, 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 I share that, you know, the, the opposite of trauma and pain is fun. And I skateboard. I skate with my, my youngest son, you know. I like to have fun. I want to do things that are fun. You know, I want to, you know, hang out and, and laugh and smile because it's healing, it's, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I felt like a lot of times I, was, I always had to be, like, in that place where things were happening. But I'm like, you know, Lord, like, you're healing me too. Like, you're taking care of me. And, you know, like, I want to be the best for the people that I'm serving. And if I'm not okay, then, you know, like, I'm not going to be my best, you know? Yeah. So I need to take that time, you know? That's good. Yeah. Very That's cool. So, um, so like the whole idea when I started this out, when this kind of the idea of the lighthouse experiment was birth, it was the idea that, so for us, for first responders, and it's also, you know, we work with veterans, so you, the trauma that you've been through that, that 
that kind of guided your early life and put you into the into the system is like that is nothing the obviously a little kid doesn't ask to be molested and abused and then get involved in drinking and drugs and all that stuff but for us like i knew when i went into the military that i'd be involved with things you know that was the 90s and really didn't call it post-traumatic stress they didn't yeah. really name it and but like you know i went through training and became a firefighter and then a paramedic knowing that i'd be involved in these things so you know i'm writing now a book to be a guide for emts and firefighters and paramedics and stuff coming up beyond me to understand that it's okay to be able to handle these situations appropriately and kind of because we're kind of in a, a time now where like you know that post-traumatic stress is kind of a buzzword yeah it's kind of trending and stuff like that so a lot of people that i talk to now are dealing with the idea that well i've i've been labeled with post-traumatic stress disorder and I don't really feel like that's the case, but, you know, or then it develops into their identity, yeah. you know, and they kind of live, live this, get on this path of, of self-destruction and stuff like that. Cause they believe because of what they're hearing in, in like, like I've told Ashley in a well-meaning society who's really just trying to help, but they kind of start living in this identity. So what, what I'm trying to do is I'm putting together stories of like calls that I've had throughout my career and kind of what I learned from them, you know, and stuff like that. But all of this started, it's, so I grew up in Lutheran church, you know, mm -hmm. and it was just kind of like, like the American kid went to church on Sunday. That's what we did. No big questions. Kind of, you know, but then when it came time to find my own faith, I kind of walked away from that. Right. Because, what I remembered was the the pastor, you know, with his robe and collar and seemed to be on a pulpit that was higher than the rest of us. And I had in my mind, well, you know, I'm never going to achieve that. So I'm going to yeah. bounce. And I joined the army and, and did all the, and did that stuff. But then I come to the church we're at now and I get saved. And then probably a year later I get baptized. And it's honestly, man, it's the, it's like, I had become so focused on being good at saving people's lives that, you know, I just, I'm in the middle of writing this chapter. So it's fresh on my heart and mind that I got like a God complex, mm. you know, I got, yeah. uh, that I have the skill set to let you live or let you die. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, I'll tell you is a powerful, powerful drug to, yeah. to believe that you're at that high level. Yeah. So, you know, we fast forward, get saved. Then I got baptized on a Sunday. And this whole time I've been working in Flint, Michigan. And I had got to the point where it was just problems I was solving. I was super good at it and knew it and would tell you about it all day long. Yeah. But then I get baptized. And it's like one of those actual moments, you know, Jesus heals the blind so many times in scripture. But it's one of those moments where, like, I didn't even know. Then I go back to work that following Wednesday and all of a sudden there's all these people that probably were already there, but I'm like, it's like I was seeing them for the first time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm seeing humanity. And I can remember my partner thought I was, had lost my mind. Mm. He's like, we better take you back to headquarters, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. 
But so the whole idea that I had and the whole heart of this and what we're still striving for is to like help people see and help people see. And now they'll hear your story. And so it kind of creates that heart change. Right. And so if you have the people watching over a city and they get that heart change and they get, then they turn to Christ that can change. That'll affect the whole city. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's been a long, slow process. But like you said, and it's just waiting on God, God's timing. So Yeah. And it's just like also like just like just stepping out. You know, I remember when I left the church, not left. Let me make that clear. When I stepped <laughs> out into this different ministry, I didn't leave yeah. right. like leave like that. But um, when I when I when I when I it, it was by faith, you know. And I remember the Lord gave me a verse. It's Joshua one three. It says, "Wherever the fo- the the sole of your footsteps, I'm going to give it to you." Just mm-hmm. like I promised Moses, I'm promising mm-hmm. you. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but yeah. you know, like I feel like by faith, everywhere I go, God opens doors. You know, and I think it's important for us to remember that God is with us when He calls us to do something. And you know, like this, I have no, I, I, I've no, I didn't have any formal training before. You know, I volunteered as a hospital chaplain, you know, just voluntarily. Um, I, I took some like certification courses later on, but it's God, God in, put this in my heart, like, you know, to do this chaplaincy work, you know, for the gang task force. And so like God, God kept giving me ideas of what to do and how to maneuver and how to talk and how to listen and all these different things he used hospital chaplains he used pastors he used family members and the people that i was even serving to teach me you know and i think like you said like um you know like seeing people in that different way kind of opens our heart and our mind to like okay lord what do you what do you want for this city like what do you Mm -hmm. how are you calling me the city like in the beginning i felt really alone because i'm no longer at a pulpit preaching you know and i'm no longer like you know like doing ministry the way I used to. So I was doing it like I'm I'm a, I'm I'm at a I'm at a vigil for a homicide victim now with 40 people that are angry and sad and you know and it things can change really quickly there, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's there are enemies out there, rival gang members are out there. It's mostly over turf. It's like a turf war. Maybe maybe sometimes it's drugs. But usually for the younger kids, it's like, this is my neighborhood. This is my territory. I'm not going to allow you in here. So, and people, it's generational. Like my dad was involved in gangs. I was involved in gangs. You know what I mean? I had to break the cycle for my kids. They know nothing about it, you know? But but that's what it is here. Like I had a, you know, um, our, the gangs here, most of our violence comes from the Latino gangs fighting each other. And I came out of that lifestyle you know and um you know you're talking about like uh just i think you know like being more connected to the church and i think the kids that i'm working with they're trying to connect to something they feel a sense of 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 protection of love of support you know from their gang family you know and so this you know like um like that's where most of the work i was doing in the beginning like even my shirt the bandana shirt, there's a meaning behind it. It's in the yep. book, but I'll share, you know, the checkers is, you know, for, you know, the term checkered past, right? The city peace project says we're here, step into their lives. And the Paisley is like, 
they're like it's chaos a lot of it's chaos right like it's layers of trauma like me sometimes you just see this person that's a gang member this person's a drug addict but you don't know all the layers of what happened in their life that maybe they were they were abused abandoned we have no idea what happened in their life you know but we see their heart there's a heart in the corner here and as we're working through the 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 chaos there's a diamond here because we know they're valuable right Mm. right so we bring peace, that's peace sign, and love. And we continue to work with them. And then there's a star here for we for giving them direction and guidance. And as we guide them, their heart grows, the arrows, they change the community. They become peacemakers. Mm-hmm. They have to do a peace pledge to get one of these shirts. You know, that's cool. Kids get, you know, do a peace pledge and they get a free. When I originally started it, it was for active gang members that were that were willing to do a peace pledge. And you know what? Some of the kids, some of the young people said, no, I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. yeah. I love you, Pastor Danny, but I'm not ready for that yet. You know, I, I built relationships where, you know, I can, I, I, I talk to these kids at school or at the park, whatever. I work with skate parks. I'm like everywhere, like, you know, as much as possible in our community. Yeah. But, you know, it, you know, thinking about, you know, like, um, you know, just like this is, I don't know what the, when I was, I, I, I mentioned to you, um, um, I, I've been to uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, yeah. right? And I, I, across the street from where I was staying, there was a skate park in a, um, in like this community, right? So guess where I go? <laughs> the I'm there for park. like a conference. <laughs> I go, I brought my board because I went for a conference and um, they, they mentioned there's a skate park there. I mean, if you look at my Instagram, you'll see Grand Rapids, like in my, I met everybody there. They all, I, we're, we follow each other on Instagram. I'm skating with them. I build community, but they even told me like, hey, we have gang problems. I don't go to the skate park because I get chased because there's a lot of gangs in, in our city. So it's not something that's in the big cities and, you know, yeah. like, and, and some people that are listening, they, they might know that there is like, a, like, you know, gangs. And some people are listening might, you know, well, I've never seen it around, but that element is pretty much all over the United States. You know, Um, there are gangs, you know, everywhere. That was, you know, because I was, you know, with the Mayor's Gang Prevention Task Force, like working, because I came from that life. I was able to speak into that life, right? And um, I think it's, it's important for people to know that a lot of the, like, I, I, I know personally what I was dealing with. And I know the people that I, we were all just kids that we just we just needed love. Right. We just needed like somebody to like we didn't we didn't go to you know we weren't in our little you know didn't have our go to our our parents weren't taking us to the softball games you know to to watch us play softball with our with our snazzy little uniforms and having pizza after that wasn't a part of my life you know what i mean so we needed to find some sort of community i i you know nobody's taking me to sports games you know like i take kids that i work with now to to soccer games you know and to football games and stuff like that you know but nobody took me to places like that you know nobody i i felt like i wasn't worth anything you know and i think anything we're doing to to you know because every human has value right yep. in god's eyes right and we should recognize that also like and i i talk to the people that i work with the, the the youth and i'm like you know you are valuable and you are lovable because you're a human being yeah like you do you understand that like you are like there's only one of you on this planet and i would say this little joke like unless you're a twin <laughs> <laughs> um it's just um 
like to 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 know let the kids know that they're worth something you know or those like people like you know um like people that invested in me like let me know like hey you're 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 not a failure you're not a loser you're not you have value you know and um that's what god gives us right for God yeah. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He valued us, right? And um, I just think it's so important, you know, like, again, there are gangs or some sort of cliques in every city, you know, oh, yeah. everywhere we go, you know. And so I would just say, like, you know, um, for like the first responders that are out there again, like they're, they're listening, I just want to just encourage you, you know, like when you like, because again, like I, you know, I when I was a hospital hospital chaplain, I've I've heard like hospital like staff like that guy's back again, and I prayed when I heard somebody say that like I never want to, I I oh, like I cry, I cry almost every time that I have to do some sort of crisis response. I it's heartbreaking to me if somebody lost their life, whether I knew him or didn't. I I, I weep, and. You know, I, I never want to be desensitized, desensitized that they are human beings. This is somebody's son, somebody's brother, somebody's friend, even if they're not in that relationship at the moment, you know, yeah. but they're a human being and, and they are valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was late coming on tonight because I was talking to you. I had to speak with a detective because actually at eight o'clock this morning, um, like right around the corner from where I live, and I live in Grand Blanc, Michigan, which is which is nice, you know, but we had a shooting. At 8 o'clock, this guy, this kid, 27, got shot in his arm, got shot right through the forearm. So both, you know, both radius and ulnar bone were just shattered, and then also in his right flank. And just over, like, just some silly boy-girl stuff, but it all stemmed from him choking his girlfriend and, and getting in a fight with her. And so, you know, like you said, there's layers, right? So who knows what he grew up around to, you know, here it is. He's a 27-year-old young man. And it's just, and I was like, that cycle came back around. But I'm the same way. After 18 years doing this, I'm still bummed out over this kid who's now... You know, he's not innocent in the thing. Now he's in trouble for, you know, for a domestic abuse. He's got that case on him. His arm is going to have multiple surgeries. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He had to go have, like, where they just basically cut him open and try to find the other bullets that went into his hip. But Mm -hmm. just, yeah, man, it's just that kind of thing. Somehow, years later, God has kept me to where I don't have that that kind of callousness, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a bummer. It's a bummer every time someone overdoses. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just, you know, and again, like even now, you know, because the pandemic, you know, and things are starting to open up again, but, you know, I, I, I definitely, you know, I've noticed that like, you know, that I've, I've noticed in our community that there's a lot more drug use. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to the parks, I, go, I skate at skate parks and, um, like a lot of our skate parks here in San Jose, California are like in the underserved community and there's a lot of drinking and, and drug use out there. And I'm just, you know, it's, it's just so sad, you know, 
And I think even like if you drove by one of the parks that I that I go to, I frequent a lot, like you'll see a bunch of guys out there smoking and drinking, but and maybe like, you know, people will judge them, but I know them all. They're they're they've had five people in the last like seven years die of whether it's, you know, a DUI, overdose, suicide, a hit and run. Right. They've lost people and that's their only way to cope with it. And I go into that community and I do events there to, to like love on them. And then there's, I know people in the community are like, well, like, you know, there's just chaos here a lot at this park, you know, like, yeah. but they need love. They need to yeah. be supported. I mean, I'm not, you know, like I, you know, like I, you know, I, if people are doing things like that are, that are, you know, that are affecting other people, we need to also protect the the innocent, of course, right? We need yeah. to protect, right. they need to be protected. But also like, you know, most of the time these guys are just out there like just drinking because, you know, they just are, they're hurting, you know, inside. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, we don't, we we could drive by a place and see people out there and just judge them, not knowing what they're going through, not knowing the loss. That, they don't know how to cope with the loss or, yeah. you know, we don't know whether it be a lost job, a lost loved one, you know, um, they got kicked out of their house. We have no idea what they're going through. And so um, I just, you know, I just, like, I always try to come in with that in mind. Like, I don't know what these people are going through because I know I was judged a lot when I was younger, you right. know? And and so I just think it's so important, you know, like, and, and I think, like, I watched all the things that I did. I, I watched them as a child around me. There was parties in my house. There was fights. There was drugs and that's all I knew. My dad yeah. was in prison. You know, that's, I just started copying everything that, you know, everyone did. And so, um, you know, just just so people know, like, you know, you know, just be careful to judge others. But again, you know, like also we have to, we have to balance it, right? We have to make sure like we have safe communities that are welcoming. Cause these skate parks that I go to, there's children there. And I tell right. you guys like, hey guys, you know, like, like chill man you know sometimes like there's little kids here you know what i mean they're they want to join the park too and it's it's as much their park as it is yours you know and so you know we have to you know i mean i i talk to them but at the same time it's like you know i also know some of the things that they're going through yeah so you know with all that you know like with 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 everything that's going on you know especially in this there's a lot of uncertainty in this world right now and I think that's even more pressure for a lot of people, right? There's, yeah. you know, we have we have wars going on, you know, like the economy, whatever is going on. But I just try to just like, hey, like, hey, guys, just like one day at a time, you know, do your best, you know, whether they're in school, whether they're, you know, dealing with something at home, you know, whether in the community, like, you know, I just try to encourage people all the time and try to just right. be positive and supportive, you know. And, you know, in my heart, sometimes it's like, uh, like the same person, you know, but I'm like, Lord, like people had grace on me. Right. And I want yeah. to have grace with others, you know? Yeah. And we, right. we really don't know God's timing with stuff. Like we, like yeah. you said, you just got to be obedient with where he takes us and, and anybody's moment or story, mm-hmm. you know, and just know that he is so good and loving to, like, he's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of them. And we just need to do in that moment what he's asked us to do. Yeah. And we don't know if for that person, if it's that day, if it's next year, if it, you know, we don't know how God's going to write their story, you know? 
Yeah, it took me a long time. Like you said, that 13-year <laughs> gap, you know, it's just yeah. like, imagine that. Like, nobody thought that I would ever change. And people asked me for years when I first got saved, they're like, what happened? Like, what did you do? And I'm like, Jesus, man. And <laughs> they'd be like, no, no, I know, I know you go to church and all that stuff, but like, did you go to like a rehab or get some test? No, no, I just, it's just Jesus. Like he changed my life radically. Like you, it, it took years for people to understand. They're like, no, this can't be true. <laughs> Is this the same Danny Sanchez that we knew? We didn't think you would live. And one, even the guy I see at the park, he goes, one day I saw you leave. He didn't see me for years ago. I saw you uh, get into a car or, or or something at a party. He goes, and I didn't see you for years. I thought you died. Yeah. That's that's where yeah. that's what people thought about me. And after somebody's like, I I thought you were gone, man. You know, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. I said I'm alive. Praise God. You know? Praise God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. Well, right on, man. You know, we really appreciate you. This is like a. I don't know if Ashley told you, but we've been grinding away for a few years now with this with this podcast and stuff. And you know, we have our people that we're talking to, and I'm I'm really stoked on that. But you know, this was a big deal for me that you would you would want to come on and share with us. So again, we really appreciate it. You know, we really appreciate hearing your story. Yeah. Um, usually, what we do to wrap it up is we'll all do like a just a closing thought for the listeners. So. We will give you the honors of going up first, and then Ashley will say something, and I'll, I'll close us out. Do you mind if I tell them how we met, like you and I met? Yeah, no, so go for it. Yeah, Jim, Instagram, right? That's right. We got connected over Instagram, so you know, like we just started, like just sending messages and liking things, stuff like that. And so, um, if you did want to follow us. Um, it's at the city peace project for our Instagram and you'll see all the stuff we do with the youth we're working with. You'll see a lot of the, the work we're doing in the community. Um, and also you can follow me um, at pastor Danny underscore Sanchez. Um, we also have a YouTube, um, the, the city peace project. And um, again, my book is available on Amazon and all other digital platforms. And there's also an audio version of it. Like you were talking about earlier, reading seven books. Like <laughs> now I just do audio books because I could just like, okay, I'll just listen to it while I'm driving. So it is available. It's post-traumatic quest. My quest to transcend trauma, turn my pain to purpose and find peace. So yeah. And, you know, send us an email, um, you know, reach out to us. All the information's on the book. And thank you so much for having me. So closing thought, okay. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, one, one thing I always I always uh, share with the kids, you know, and, you know, this is pretty cliche, but I think it's kind of powerful. It's like, you know, you know, things outside of us are, they're outside of our control, right? But I always tell the kids, what, what, what you can do, what you can't control is how you think and how you act. So we have control over that, right? And that should bring mm -hmm. us a little bit of peace. Right. Absolutely. Amen. Love it. Yeah. Um, man, I really enjoyed this time. This has been really cool. Um, for me, quick background, I grew up with alcoholic dad and my parents got divorced, but I always knew God loved me. And so now like probably through 
like high school, college, and then probably my twenties, just running, like trying to do good for the Lord, just trying to do good for the kingdom and, you know, like grow in that and learn the thing and do all the stuff. And I love being around people. And, um, I think the past few years, just in a good way, kind of catching up a little bit, like God saying, no, 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 slow down and just stay right here. And God's been doing a lot of just kind of bringing us back, like both my husband and I, and in some ways it's been absolutely frustrating because it's like, I don't, I don't want to deal with the stuff that I thought I was done dealing with. And there's a little bit of, a lot of bit of me that just was like, no, I'm past all that. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm adulting well. I'm, I, you know, all the things that I can say about myself instead of really it, Because really my desire is like, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to actually be intimate with you. I want to hear you when you speak and I want to worship you with my life. And I I want, I want it to be more real than just, I'm doing good things for you. Like I want to live, like I will dwell in the house of the Lord, like all my days. And, um, so I just, I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm in this season of being frustrated almost with myself and yet so encouraged by the goodness of God. So Mm. I just, I love when we can share testimony of like God changed my life and God has used pain to produce glory, to Mm. encourage and come alongside other people. And God won't waste any measure of it because he is just so good. And so, um, yeah, just to encourage our, our listeners, our friends, um, and then just kind of speak from what I feel like I'm walking through is that God is just so good to not leave us here, but he continues to walk with us further. And, uh, so I'm just encouraged that God continues to change lives, even when we think it's like stuck and impossible and, you know, just going to be where it is. So, yeah. And I still don't know what the future looks like. You know, like I, I think I know. And then God continues to just change everything and make everything upside down in such amazing ways. And so, yeah, um, yeah it's it's really cool. So, yeah. Amen. Right on. Well, all right, you guys. Thanks, as always, for listening. This was a big episode. Um, I think what we we can take away from this as first responders is to always see that there's more layers to what people are going through. Um, and just just see what God can do. Yeah. You know, I know that some of you aren't ready to hear that. Some of you give me shade still. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, just know what God can do and know how much he loves you and know how much, no matter where you are, he's pursuing you. And just, like, let Pastor Danny be an example. Like, listen to this episode, share it with your people. This is a this is a good one for us. So with that, I'll say thank you, Freedom Center Church and Kingdom Builders for your continued love and support. And for our listeners, we'll see you next time. <laughs>